0: Hello, and welcome to News Underground, Radio 1190's bi-weekly news program, bringing you news that you wouldn't typically hear on corporate radio. (laughs) All right, today, so we got uh, Dave Sutherland with us today. He is an interpretive naturalist from the City of Boulder Open Space and Mountain Parks Division. All right, thank you. Thanks for having me on. So anyways, Dave, would you like to tell us a little bit about what you do? with?
1: Well, um probably the best way to describe my job is, as um, you say, I'm a science clown. Um, I grew up as a total little geeked out science kid. Um, I started collecting butterflies and rocks when I was four years old, and I drew my own bird books with crayons and got it, had a little itty-bitty telescope when I was 10, and I took it out in the backyard and, and on cold winter nights and looked at the stars, and so I, kind of my whole life was dedicated to just falling in love with nature, and so... As an adult, when I finally grew up with all of this, um, I guess I've grown up. Have I grown up yet? Um, I found that what I was really good at was bringing that science and that love for science, whether it's with a telescope or with a pair of binoculars looking for birds or looking for fossils or whatever, bringing that love of science to the public and helping people who want to go out on open space learn more about this incredible land system that surrounds the city of Boulder, Uh, It's fascinating in so many ways, and my job is to take people out there and show them that and watch the light bulb come on and watch them go, oh, my God, this is really cool. I had no idea. This is so amazing. And and so that's what I do for a living, and and I do it by trying to make science fun and funny and interesting to people who aren't scientists but are still interested in, in the science stuff.
0: Very interesting. So you kind of like help communicate uh, what nature is to people. Here. Oh,
1: absolutely. And and do it in a way to make it something that is relevant to their lives, something that they'll care about, something that touches them. And I found that to the extent that I can make teaching about nature and science fun, people are more interested to pay attention. Because honestly, if I'm leading a nature hike for the public and I'm boring, uh, people will turn and walk away. And I cannot chase them down the trail with a red pen and flunk them. So the instant I stop being more interesting than, or less interesting than Game of Thrones, I've lost them because they'll go home and watch TV. So I have to try to figure out how can I keep people engaged and the secrets making it funny and
0: relevant. Uh, Interesting. So with that, um, are there any kind of common tactics you use uh, with humor? (laughs) Well,
1: probably the most simple tactic is just to um, fall in love with the subject you're teaching. If you really care about what you're teaching about, whether you're teaching about migratory birds that have flown up all the way from Costa Rica or you're teaching about... A uh, fossil fish that's been pressed in a rock for 300 million years. How can you not get excited about stuff like that? And if uh, if you can communicate that excitement by sort of channeling it, then people can't help but get kind of drawn into thinking that fossil fish or that migratory bird is is something pretty amazing. Um, the other thing is just to you know be fast on your feet. Think about jokes. I'll probably say stupid funny things when I'm talking on the radio and. Um, you know it's just trying to find ways to keep it engaging sometimes I talk in funny voices kids like that I'll take on characters I'll talk like a pirate or talk like a vampire or or, um, talk like a a big city thug or a gangster or something like that it's it's just ways of making it engaging and funny and making science not stuffy
0: sounds quite fun I mean it's always great to have you down it's uh, great to have you down here today okay All right. Uh, If you won't mind, uh, so we want to talk a little bit about some of the black bears that are here in Boulder County, um, if that's all right? Absolutely. So anyways, with the black bears that have been coming down recently, do you feel like there's any reason why they've been coming down from like high country, anything like that? Is uh, hibernation associated to any of it, bears coming out of hibernation?
1: Well, um, the bears are coming into town a lot right now because they're really hungry and they will hibernate probably starting around November They'll go and sleep, and they literally will not eat or take a crap for months. And so they have to store up a whole bunch of food in the form of fat in their bodies in order to survive. And so at this time of year, to get ready for hibernations, bears have to eat, get ready for this, 20,000 calories a day which is the equivalent of eating about six entire frozen cheesecakes out of the freezer section every day. So imagine if you got up in the morning and the first thing you had to do is polish off an entire cheesecake for breakfast and then have a cheesecake for a snack and then have a couple for lunch, have another whole cheesecake uh, in the middle of the afternoon and then wolf down two more at the end of the day. You'd be eating like a black bear. And because uh Food is really easy to find around human trash dumpsters and human yards where people put out hummingbird feeders and bird feeders and leave dog food out on the back porch. Bears get drawn into coming into town to try to meet this incredible calorie um, calorie need that they're you know, trying to consume so much. And so they'll come into town because in town they can find pizza boxes with the cheese still stuck on them. And. Um, you know, uh, half a bucket of fried chicken or something thrown in the trash. And that's what lure them into town, and that is where they get into trouble.
0: So it's kind of a, what do co- you say, it's a common behavior of bears to kind of like head into human areas around this time of year for, uh, before hibernation?
1: Yes, it, it is. It's, it's a really common thing, and it, it's very risky for them to do that. Uh, we've already put down a few bears in the Boulder area this year, And uh, that's not because wildlife officers like to shoot bears. Um, I know a lot of the wildlife officers. They are great people. They don't get up in the morning and say, oh, I think I'm going to go kill a bear today. Um, What happens when uh, a bear gets used to coming around people for food, starts raiding trash cans and tearing down bird feeders and so on, is it starts to become aggressive. And a bear is three hundred and fifty pounds of pretty peaceful animal that if it decided to hurt you could really hurt you so having an aggressive bear hanging out in town is simply too dangerous to allow and so typically what happens is a wildlife officer will identify a dangerous bear based on you know a, a, it breaking into a house or um, getting into a lot of trouble or maybe acting aggressively, charging at people, they'll tranquilize the bear and frequently they'll relocate it to another part of the state. And that almost never works because bears are very smart and they are tenacious. And usually within a couple of weeks, the same bear is back in the same neighborhood raiding the same trash cans. Um, when a bear does that, it gets a tag in its ear that says, This bear was a bad bear. That's his first strike. Two strikes, you're dead. If the bear ends up committing some sort of an aggressive offense. It it gets into another house. It uh, acts aggressively around people. It doesn't get a second chance. It's shot at that time, tranquilized and taken away and euthanized. And um, guess how we feel as uh,
0: lovers of wildlife? Guess how we feel about that? I would assume that it's not a very good experience at all. It
1: ruins everyone's day. It, It is an absolutely avoidable situation that I mean I've watched you know wildlife officers after they've had to put a bear down just be just heartbroken it's a heartrending thing to do and the punchline is it's not the bears fault it's the fact that the bear is getting enticed into coming into town because people are basically feeding it either through carelessness or sometimes outright on purpose um and so wildlife folks say that our th- are saying is a fed bear is a dead bear um, And so what's really important, I guess, is for anybody listening to this show is to think about, well, am I doing anything that could contribute to luring a bear into town? What am I doing with my garbage? Am I leaving my garbage out in a bear-proof trash can that the bear can't get into? Because if you are, you're not contributing to the problem. But if you're leaving a bunch of trash out in a place where a bear can get it, if you leave dog food out on your back porch all night... Uh, You're feeding bears and raccoons and other animals, which isn't a good thing to do. Hummingbird feeders, bird feeders filled with seeds, bears love that stuff. People who have apple trees in their yards and don't clean up all the apples are creating a bear feeder. And a bear feeder in somebody's yard is really a bear killer. So it's, as I said, it's not the bear's fault. It's the fact that people are making easy, easy food available in a way that makes it, you know, simple for the bear to come wandering into town and bears that wander into town and get around people are a lot more likely to get into trouble and a lot more likely to get tagged and a lot more likely to get put down.
0: I'm very sorry to hear about all of that. I'm very sorry that you have to go through that. Um, With that in mind, do you think that it would be safe to say that Boulder residents should look to bear proof things like their garbage to avoid the situation from happening? Oh yeah.
1: And um, and the city has actually been really proactive about that. There's an ordinance in place to require bear-proof trash cans pretty much on the west side of town, um, west of Broadway, which is where most of the bears um, come in from the mountains. They'll come into the west side of town and wander around on the streets, and they can't get into the bear-proof trash cans. We still have people who leave bird feeders out at this time of year, and, of course, that's something that lures the bears in. and Uh, We just recently put a bear down, I think it was last month, it was um, Bear 352, which was the number of the ear tag he got for his first offense, and when he came back to town after being relocated and started acting aggressively again, they put him down and they looked in his stomach, and guess what you found, a Bear 352's stomach. Um, They found uh, all kinds of cellophane, they found sausages, they... Um, found wrappers from butter containers. It was just just loaded up with plastic trash that he had picked up from eating people food. His his whole stomach was filled with it. Um, And so we knew he was a trash bearer, and it was only a matter of time before a bear like that's going to get put down.
0: I'm very sorry to hear about that. Um, With the uh, ordinance, do you feel like it's uh, caused people to... um, definitely look more into bear proofing or do you uh do you feel like it's had a positive effect
1: absolutely it's had a positive effect um you know and if bears come into town and all they encounter are locked trash cans and they can't get any of the food they're going to quit coming into town because it's risky for them um so you know if we could you know maybe have more bear proof trash cans or have people more religiously use them I know right on the hill, there are a lot of big dumpsters out behind houses that aren't bear-proofed, and bears can very easily climb into those things, and those are great big bear attractors. Um, So, you know, again, I would say, like, uh, if you live on the hill or if you live pretty much anywhere in Boulder, be really conscious of what you're doing with trash that a bear would find edible. If you can, keep it locked up until trash day and then put it out, like, the morning of. and, and again, you know, I'd say if you're leaving pet food out or bird feeders out or something, you know, if you, if you live on the hill and you're doing that, you're potentially contributing to the problem.
0: Um, you said that as a result of people leaving out trash and attracting bears to town, those bears can sometimes become aggressive. Uh, I was wondering, do you feel like um, aggressive bears are a um, large risk to boulder citizens at this time of year, or...?
1: no I wouldn't call it a large risk I mean we have uh, over 6 million about six and a quarter million visits to open space and mountain parks lands every year and that's bear habitat and there are bears out there and in the last hundred years guess how many bear attacks we've had
0: um, I would not be sure zero Interesting. we have
1: never ever had a black bear attack anybody on open space and mountain parks I'm not aware of a single bear attack in Boulder so the risk of having black bears coming into town isn't that great compared to say things like riding around in an automobile which is a far more deadly thing than living in sharing habitat with bears. Um, That being said we'd hate to have a bear attack happen and it could it's always a potential I'd hate to be able to quit saying they've been zero bear attacks in the last hundred years Um, So in terms of an actual threat, no, it's not what I'd call a very great threat. Does that mean you shouldn't take bears seriously or that it's, like, okay to go up to one or, like, hey, 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 dude, hold my beer and watch this? Um, You don't do that because a bear could hurt you if it felt threatened or cornered or, for example, if you were at a picnic eating a piece of fried chicken and the bear decided that it wanted that piece of fried chicken and it could just come over and take it. It's a lot bigger and stronger than you. And so that's what we're trying to avoid. And when you start seeing a bear acting aggressively, when it starts to lose its fear of people, when it charges at people or slams into doors or breaks into houses and cars, you've got a bear that's on a slippery slope to becoming a bear that could hurt somebody. And so the decision is we can't allow a bear like that to continue down that slippery slope. We, we take the bear out before it gets to that point. Um, but again, you know, if you... If you should see a bear, if you go to take your trash out or you're walking your dog or something in the morning and there's a bear there, uh, there's a bear right in front of you, it's really important to know what to do about that and how to keep yourself safe. Um, the first thing you want to do is, you know, as soon as you become aware of the bear, don't try to get any closer. Back up. Don't go like, hey, God, i got to take a picture of this to show my girlfriend. You know, where's my phone? Um, that's not what you do. What you do is you get far away and then you take the picture from far away. Um, because being close to a bear is, is not a safe place to be. It's a uh, it's dangerous place to be. The next thing you want to do is, if you're with a dog, get your dog under control, make sure that your dog isn't going to go charging after the bear, because um, guess who would win that fight? Um, the bear would probably swat your dog into orbit, which would be unfortunate for the dog. Um, and so make sure your dog's under control, and then... Back away slowly and keep your cool. And if it feels frightening and you find that your pulse is hammering and you're starting to sweat under your arms and you're going, like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's a bear, oh, my God, oh, my God, it's a bear, repeat to yourself, like a mantra, there has never been a bear attack, anybody in Boulder? There has never been a bear attack, anybody in Boulder? Just tell that to yourself and just realize you're going to be okay and back away from the bear slowly, calmly. Um, never, ever run away from a bear. Uh, don't turn your back on a bear you want to know what the bear is doing so back away slowly you can make yourself look big if your arms are free if you've got a jacket you can raise it over your head if you've got a backpack you can slip it off your shoulder and put it up over your head so that you don't look um small but you look big and imposing and and bear in mind that you're not really on the menu for a bear a bear doesn't look at a human being and say hey boo boo give me a couple of hamburger buns that guy looks pretty tasty um the bear looks at you as a threat or a competitor or just something it needs to be really careful around and so if you don't act aggressively or try to get close to it bears are pretty peaceful and they will not really come at you even a mother with cubs if you back away and keep your cool don't try to get close to the cubs you're gonna be fine
0: very good advice for all of us here in boulder as the uh, bears uh, potentially come through and are in nature around um, also, that was something interesting. I had no idea that their bear attacks were completely non-existent um, at this point in time.
1: In Boulder, they are. There are occasionally, once in a rare while, somewhere um, every year, there are a couple of black bear attacks on somebody. Uh, black bears are not nearly as big, powerful, or aggressive as grizzly bears, which um, are extirpated in Colorado. They used to live here, but they've been they're locally extinct now. That we used to have grizzlies in the Boulder area. Uh, along with gray wolves uh... but they're gone and so the black bears are what we have left and they are just generally not all that aggressive sure if you really worked at it i'm sure you could push a black bear into attacking you but attacks on humans are really very very rare um, compared to a lot of the other things that take people out in the united states every single day uh... bear attacks are not something i end up spending much time worrying about i spend a lot of time hiking around in the mountains, and I guarantee you thinking about bears uh, isn't on my mind.
0: Well, thank you for uh, sharing a little bit of light on that. We all really appreciate that. Um, It's always great to be able to know a little bit more about um, those kinds of things, especially since some people might perceive bears as being more of a dangerous animal, especially black bears, but it sounds like that they might be not as dangerous as people think.
1: Yeah, just be careful. They can be dangerous. It's like anything. A rattlesnake six feet away from you is harmless. A rattlesnake in your hand is a very dangerous thing. So um, it's it's just a matter of of keeping your cool and keeping your distance and not doing anything to corner or antagonize a bear and you'll be fine.
0: Uh, Very interesting. Um, A student here at CU last year actually did a survey of about 300, I believe it was about 386 residents, about how they perceived um, black bears. And about 93% said that they had never had a negative interaction with a black bear. Would you say that those kind of interactions are rare? And do you feel like people in Boulder kind of have a general public opinion that bears are not a major problem?
1: Um, I, I would say that, yeah, it's uh, very uncommon for anyone to have a negative interaction with a black bear. Um, and I guess it, uh, you have to say, how would you define negative interaction? But, you know, I've seen a lot of bears. I've never had an interac- in negative interaction with one, and I've been out in the field um, quite a bit. I did have a mother black bear with cubs come through my backyard. I live in North Boulder, kind of up near Folsom, and uh, she broke the top off of my fence with the cubs, and I had to go and repair it. So I don't know if that counts as a negative interaction or not. But you know, I was grumbling about having to fix my fence, but on the other hand, I was saying, "Well, it's so cool. I live in a place where I can have black bear family in my backyard," and never ever felt threatened.
0: Well, it's always good to know. And also to correct that number was 368 residents, uh, just to make sure that we've got it going out there right. But still, thank you. No, it's always great to know that like, um, it's good to know those things, especially because someone might think the opposite. It's always good to kind of hear these kind of perspectives and um, hear how it might be a little opposite, contrary to what people might think.
1: Mm-hmm. I'd say if there's any sort of a misperception in Boulder about bears, it's not about bears being ferocious killers. Um, I, I think maybe the perception is that some of the wildlife people may be thought of as being ferocious killers because I know that, like, if somebody has a bear problem in their neighborhood, there's kind of a scuttlebutt about, well, don't tell anybody. Don't, don't, don't call it in, um, which, in fact, can be really detrimental for the bear because uh, the first line of defense when we have a problem bear is we start doing what's called hazing, which is mean, means you try to make the bear feel like it's unwelcome. And anybody can haze a bear in your neighborhood. You can do it by banging on pots and pans and yelling and making noise from a safe place. An air horn works really good. Anything that's loud and startling to a bear, uh, anything that makes the bear feel like, you know, it's probably, this is kind of a sketchy place for me to be. That's good. And then what the wildlife officers will do is they'll bump it up a notch by, like, shooting the bear in the butt with rubber buckshot. That's a tongue twister. Um... And, uh, you know, an ow, and the bear is like, hey, that hurt, you know. And, and uh, if every time the bear comes into the neighborhood, he gets shot in the butt with rubber buckshot, you know, it kind of gets the message. Bears aren't stupid. And so that is so much more preferable to putting the bear down. And that is what typically will happen when people call in a problem bear is that wildlife officers will start trying to find some sort of a non-lethal way of encouraging the bear to move on. Another thing that we'll do when people call bears in is we'll have bear sitters come out. We have volunteers at Open Space and Mountain Parks who will go and stake out a place where a bear is, like hanging out and sleeping up in a tree for a day. And the bear sitters' job is to help the, all of the curious rubber-necking public keep their distance from the bear, which keeps people safe, it keeps the bear safe. Um, and he or she kind of acts as a bodyguard for the bear, Um, keeps an eye on it. If it starts to move, then she'll call wildlife personnel and so on. But uh, his or her job is to keep that bear safe from people and to keep people safe from the bear and just kind of keep an eye on it and help ensure that the bear gets some space. And so that's another advantage to calling in a bear. If you see one, it's not that people are, you know, the wildlife officers aren't going to arrive with a bunch of high-powered weapons and put the bear down in front of your kids. It's more like we're going to try to get there and find a way to protect the bear and help get the bear out of your neighborhood in a way that's better for the bear. Um, If we have to get to tranquilizing a bear and moving it, we've already pretty much failed. And it's, uh, it's not just a failure of the wildlife people, it's a failure of the whole community for having created a situation that turned that bear into a problem bear.
0: All right. Once again, I'm very sorry to hear about that. I'm very sorry about these kinds of things happening, and I understand how hard it must be for all of you. But, we appreciate you coming down here and talking about and hopefully helping the public learn about what to do in the event that they've got bears in their neighborhood mm-hmm. and how they can help you guys to help solve the problem.
1: Well with any luck, I may have just saved a bear's life.
0: Hopefully. Um, so as we talked a little bit earlier, you also did initiatives to help bear um, teach the public uh, and I read – we talked a little bit about this before. You had a bear truck that um, <laughs> that you uh, had before in uh, t- about 2008 where uh, it was to go around and educate people. Um, now, we talked a little bit, and I know that you said that that didn't work out too well. Uh, that was
1: a great idea. It's this whole idea about trying to make science funny and, um, and kind of – and not so stuffy. So what we had was um, – a pickup truck uh, and we model it off of the the ice cream truck that goes driving around town, you know, everybody knows the ice cream truck. And so we made a bear truck that was like that. And so we drive slowly around neighborhoods and we had all kinds of pictures of bears on it. We had trash cans. We had um, educational displays. We had a person in a bear costume and a trash can in the back of the truck. And uh, we had this tinny little piano thing that was the bear came over the mountain playing just like the ice cream truck uh, had. um, And then if people came up, instead of giving ice cream out, we gave out gummy bears. And so we would drive around the neighborhood and see if people would come out and um, see what we were doing. And then we'd put on a little show with the bear coming out of the trash can and throwing trash all over the place and eating some of the trash and um, and having to be hazed back into the trash can and stuff and so it was a really hilarious idea the reason it didn't work was because people just didn't come out of their houses when they heard the bear truck coming around so um it it was a creative idea and we may still resurrect it we've still got all the stuff in a shed out at open space and it might be something that we could do like downtown on pearl street mall and just have the bear truck sitting there for people to come by might work a little better
0: It's a very interesting initiative, Um, but we did, but uh, I was kind of curious, what other initiatives have you worked with um, for bears uh, since? Uh, Have there any other initiatives that you've been using to help educate the public?
1: Um, Well, certainly the bear care volunteers is a big one because, you know, when we send volunteers out to stake out and basically bodyguard a bear that's up in a tree in somebody's yard, a big part of what they're doing is they're educating the public and people can get you know close enough to a certain distance and take their pictures But the volunteers they're saying you know hey that's close enough you know give the bear some space don't freak them out they get scared um, and uh... so that right there is a really big initiative we've got brochures uh... about bears that you know tell you all about what not to do and how not to bring bears into your neighborhood We do a lot of educational programming for the kids. I think one of the most popular programs that we're asked to provide uh, on school field trips is is what we call sort of the Open Space 101 safety talk. And a big part of that is how do you keep safe from bears? Bears, mountain lions, rattlesnakes, you know, it's what do you do? And helping people get over the sort of the instinctual fear that we have that a bear is going to, you know, break into our house and eat us in our sleep when, in fact, that isn't really going to happen. And... Um, teaching people what to do if you meet a bear when you're hiking on a trail, which is everything I just said earlier about, you know, look big and don't panic and back off slowly and all of that, you know. Um, So that's a big part of what we do as well. Uh, And then there are things like me showing up to talk on the radio tonight, which is absolutely an initiative to trying to get the word out. Um, We've uh, we even do a thing in the spring where we have a Wake Up the Bears event uh, at the Munchkin at, at the Tulip Festival, the Tulip Fairy Festival downtown on Pearl Street. One of the little pieces of entertainment is uh, we have a Wake Up the Bear thing where we have a person who's dressed in a bear suit, sleeping in a bed, and everybody has to make noise to wake the bear up from hibernation. But it's a bear education opportunity where we're telling kids and all their parents who are standing around in the back about, you know, bear safety and how to keep how to keep bears safe from people um so you know a lot of different things that that we do good grief i mean it goes on and on every year we do this thing um a halloween program for families called jeepers creepers where uh parents and their kids go through stations about things that in while out in the wild that a lot of people are scared of because it's halloween and we try to say hey this is something everybody's really scared of but you know what it really isn't that scary if you actually get to learn about it and there's a bear station every single year. Um, I've been the guy in the bear suit, you know, so, hey, you know, I'm just trying to be a bear. and You guys, you know, keep luring me into town with pizza boxes and uh, trying to help people understand that there's a lot they can do to keep bears safe and to keep themselves safe. You know, um, so the multi-pronged ways that we're trying to get the word out to the public
0: Once again, thank you again for coming down tonight. It's great to hear about a lot of the initiatives you've got going on. They all sound like great programs. Uh, Are there any that are coming up soon?
1: Well, we'll be doing an awful lot of uh, bear education and probably leading some bear nature hikes because fall is the time that bears are most active. Um, And so I was just talking with a coworker. We're thinking about offering a program for tweens for kids who are about you know 9 to about 12, 13, kind of that that middle age where we actually go out at dusk to go look for real bears to take them out to see bears and we take you know spotting scope and binoculars and go to a place where we know bears are being active and keep our distance but safely go out to actually look for bears and so that's one thing we're gonna that that that'll be coming up we'll do a whole range of education programs right at this time of year it's you know bear education in the fall for us is is a really big thing
0: those programs sound wonderful. Uh, how, if anyone out there listening right now would be interested in joining one of those, how would they go about joining said programs?
1: Well, the programs are all free, and they're open to everyone in the public, which means you, the person listening to this, uh, are invited to come along, and we won't charge you any money because uh, we're supported by sales tax. And so, in a sense, when they said 9.95 plus tax last time you bought something, you already paid for the program. A little tiny piece of that plus tax pays for us to offer these programs for free. And we've got a whole schedule of all of the pro- public programs coming up. Uh, it's at a website that's just www.naturehikes.org. If you go to www.naturehikes.org, you'll see a whole list of everything that we're going to be offering their kid programs, and bear programs, and wildlife programs. Like we've got a program about bats coming up uh... all kinds of amazing stuff and feel free to join in on those programs the other thing is if there's somebody out there who has a community group or a club or a home school or something like that we provide free classes about bears for any age group and again they're fun they're interactive we bring in a bear pelt and a bear skull and bits of bear scat and all kinds of stuff it's you know how can you not get excited about bears looking at bear poop in a box Um, and so we'll come to you. Uh, we'll come to your group. I'm probably going to try to take the CU Wildlife Club out to go looking for live bears. Uh, and so that's something that, again, people can ask us for. And because we're sales tax supported, you already paid for the program. So if you've got a club or a group, uh, ask us. Um, and there, if you go to that www.naturehikes.org, there will be a link to the page about how you request a hiker program from Open Space. It's right on that same webpage. You'll find the link.
0: Sounds like a a wonderful opportunity for anyone listening. All right. So, and I also have one last question. This is, uh, so while we were looking at some news about the black bears in the area, we actually found that um, uh, Boulder County has been using this program called iNaturalist to help track uh, wildlife. And we are a little curious to hear about that. Um, What is the app exactly?
1: Well, iNaturalist is a, um, it's a computerized database that anybody can submit wildlife. Well, actually, iNaturalist isn't just limited to wildlife. It's plants, animals, fungi. I mean, you name it pretty much. If it's alive, I suppose if you took pictures of bacteria through a microscope, you could post them on iNaturalist. And so the idea is that anybody with a camera or a cell phone can become a citizen scientist collecting data points by taking pictures of living things in and around the area where they live or you can even do it on vacation. I went to Botswana, I took pictures of wildlife, I posted it to iNaturalist. Um, what iNaturalist is interested in is getting the picture, preferably one in which you can identify whatever it is that's in the picture, you know, is it a curly-cup gumweed, is it a, a white rhinoceros, is it an a American black bear, whatever, with a GPS point or a pretty accurate data location. And so if you're somebody living in Boulder and you take a picture of a black bear that you see on your hike and you post it to the iNaturalist website, it becomes a publicly accessible data point with the date, the location, and the species that gets fed into a huge data set being collected by people all over the world that any scientist can then plug into. So let's imagine you were a scientist studying black bears in North America, you could pull up the iNaturalist data set, and you could see where people are seeing black bears, and you could see when they're seeing black bears. And, you know, if you wanted to track hibernation patterns given, you know, by by different latitudes or geographical locations, you could take all of this data that's been entered for free by enthusiastic citizens all around the country, all over in Canada, all, you know, even down in Mexico, um, and you could start using the data that people have put in there to create a pattern of when black bears are seen and not seen. And you could make a map showing when black bears hibernate in different parts of North America. And and that's just one application that comes up. But we've got people out with this app, which you can download on your cell phone, um, and then use it to take pictures of, you know, pretty much any living thing. Uh, People go out and take pictures of flowers because there is a date a date timestamp associated with the flower picture over many, many years, scientists will be able to take all of this data and see if there are changes in blooming patterns of w- certain wildflowers in a changing climate. So as the climate warms up, uh, flowers may change their bloom periods. They may bloom earlier. They may bloom uh, for a shorter period or a longer period. We, we don't know. But all of that data will be there because, you know, thousands and thousands of people with cell phones are out there clicking that data and storing it away for some future scientist, who might be you or might be your grandkid, to um, mine into it and go like, oh, my God, look, we can see this total change in the way Curly Cup gumweed's blooming. We got data points that go all the way back to 1997, and we can follow it all the way through and watch this total change in its pattern over years. And how much money did they spend collecting the data? Zero, because it was all done by... Enthusiastic people, you know, with a, a cell phone, going for a hike on open space, or taking their cell phone on a trip to um, to South America and snapping pictures.
0: Would you suggest that listeners um, download the app?
1: If this sounds like something that's fun, it can be a little bit like uh, Pokemon Go for grownups. Um, you know, where you can go out and well, we, were, we ran a competition where we had, you know, um, tried to see who could get the most sightings, who could get the rarest sighting, who could get the most sightings of a particular species and so on and so forth. And you can compete with your friends. Um, you can compete with people you don't even know who are online. Oh, another really cool thing about it is that if you take a picture of something and you don't know what it is, it's some weird gray bird that was at your bird feeder, post it online somebody somewhere is going to know what it is and we've had you know it's amazing to see that somebody who lives in new hampshire will identify some bird that you posted that you couldn't figure out what it was um so if that sounds like fun if you're kind of a nature geek or a nature sleuth gosh i wish i'd had this app when i was four and i was um doing all of those uh col- coloring my own bird books with crayons i would love to have had a toy like i naturalist To uh, take pictures of living things in my neighborhood and post them online and have experts in the field identify them for me. Um, Yeah, it it would be a lot of fun for the right person. You can get it at, I think it's just inaturalist.org.
0: Sounds wonderful. Sounds like a great program. All right. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for talking to us. Um, Right now, I'd like to know is there anything else that you want listeners out there in Boulder County or beyond to uh, know? Is there any last things you'd like to say? Anything you feel like they ought to know?
1: I would love to encourage everybody to get out onto the open space land, to go for a hike, to get out into nature and spend some time there. Um, the land is owned by you. Open space and mountain parks is public land, and that means it belongs to you, and that means it is there for you as a place for you where you can go for a pulse-pounding hike, or it's a place you can go to paint, or a place you can go to meditate, or to hear the songs of birds, or to hear the songs, sound of children laughing. It's this wonderful restorative place where you can find solace from the hectic tribulations of the modern world in whatever way seems most appropriate to you and so i really encourage you all go out and enjoy that land it's the best present you ever gave yourself when you do please be very light on the land respect the plants and animals that live there respect the other people who are out on the trail and don't do anything that ruins the experience they're having but My gosh, it's right out your back door. Can you think of a better, more amazing thing that you could just go and visit whenever you want?